Hello and welcome to the third episode of the No Script Show. I'm joined, as always, by David Wormsley. Hello, David. Hello, Nathan. How are you? Good, thank you. The No Script Web Show is all about modern front-end web design, and we're going to be looking at what we can build today with minimal dependencies and skills. Today, we're looking at the principles of modern web layouts. And to understand that, we are referring to a talk by Rachel Andrews. It comes from 2019, and the talk is called Refactoring the Way We Talk About CSS. You'll be able to find links to that in the show notes on our website. Rachel Andrews is a prolific technical writer, editor, and speaker, and an invited expert to the W3C's CSS Working Group. We'd need a whole episode to do her justice, but she's probably best known for her tireless work on CSS Grid. Over hey. to you, David. Yeah, well, you might as well bring up the show notes uh, that we've got. We're going to start this one by, in a way, recapping what we're going to talk about, because when we're talking about layouts, for me, that's always been the most difficult thing of trying to just do something with the web platform alone. CSS, um, when it comes to layout, has, has been difficult. And if you scroll down a little bit, Nathan, for those sure. on YouTube, we've got just some bullet points um, about what we just want to sum up, I guess. And that is really that modern CSS layout. What's changed, really, is it's gone from being a series of hacks to what is now, and it's really in a talk, a logical refactored system. Um, so uh, the main thing we're trying to get over, I guess, in this, or what I've needed to learn is that web design is so much easier if you're trying to work with just CSS and HTML, if we understand the actual system and what problems it's trying to solve. So. Largely, that's what we're trying to do. There's a wonderful quote there. I don't know if you want to read that, Nathan. That uh, Yeah, Rachel I can do that. So um, this is the quote from the, the video of Rachel Andrews. And she says, uh, we need to look again at what it is to learn CSS. We need to leave our old ideas behind. It is only when we do that we will stop supporting the idea that CSS is the fragile, broken, quirky language that its detractors would like to believe. That's quite powerful, isn't it? It is. And I think that was at that time, her focus was to try and get us to not see it as these old, you know, kind of wonky tricks that we would do sort of hack together our sites and, and to look at the system, which of course she's been very much a part of when it comes to layout with her work on uh, CSS grid. But, and I think that's also one of the main things I take away from this and not just her and this talk, but other people saying the same about kind of modern CSS is that it's, we see it often as kind of meeting the new challenges of today, the fact that we have so many different devices and we need to have our layouts work on it. But actually, it's a little bit about reclaiming the universal and responsive web that we always had from the start. And I think this is something which a lot of people are trying to get over in the first place. When it came out, until we, us people who tried to do graphic design on it, um, it kind of worked already. It would fit and expand to, uh, you know, whatever screen somebody had. And for me as well, another point that I've put here, maybe sounds slightly contentious. It's a bit of a reminder, I think, when we talk about layout, that a reminder to the fact that what we see is not what they get because we're used to. And 
that's our background, isn't it? WYSIWYG builders is kind of thinking from what we see the pixels on our screen. And now with modern responsive design, we have to kind of get away from that. And particularly if we're going to learn the new stuff, Flexbox and Grid as well to be able to do that. So that was that. Um, it's, I think it's always when we get into that mentality, it allows us to think, and this is where I feel all the spec is going is to serve the users of the future. If we set something up where we allow the browser with the spec that we use to do the clever calculations on our behalf, then it's kind of, uh, it means that we're future proof. And we were future proof anyway, if you're just using CSS, but it's going to allow for new devices to come in. So it's a, a different mindset. So yeah, that... it was kind of, kind of interesting watching that video. There were a couple of occasions where she alluded to that. I, I can't remember the specifics, but in the video, a couple of times she said something about things as yet unimagined. And yeah. that's quite a forward thinking mentality, I think. Yeah. And it's the way they're going. And I was very, this is a bit of an aside, but there's a really interesting talk. I really should put that in the links. It's from a CSS day conference back in 2017, where it had Hakon Lee. I that's how you say his name. I'm never quite sure. He's a Norwegian, I think actually, a Bert Boss, who were the creators of CSS discussing the kind of, you know, the thought process behind what they were doing. And one of the, um, questions at the end were, well, it, it was the guy who was talking to him saying that he trains a lot of people's students to have to learn it and they get frustrated with CSS con, you know, it's a visual thing. You're trying to create style on stuff. You know, why don't we have an editor? And what I didn't, what was, what I wasn't aware of is that that kind of stuff had been thought about, but the argument was that you can't avoid it. You have to, even if you do work visually with something, you still have to understand the underlying code because of simply, you know, what you see is not what they are going to get. It needs to be entirely responsive. So what you see is just what your device is showing you. And that may not be the same for others and other people in the future. So, so that's, you know, so even if you've no thoughts about ever doing the coding yourself and author, author in it, it's good, I think, to know the principles underneath. Yeah. The, the whole thing about devices, it is really interesting because who knows what kind of devices we'll have in the future. And, and we seem to be, well, certainly a lot of the mobile phone manufacturers are launching these kind of flip phones where it's almost like a book and it, it opens out and the screen interface is actually a square and no, nobody has a square interface until now. So just freeing yourself from the constraints of, okay, it's going to be viewed in this particular viewport shape is is quite interesting and the endeavor for a lot of the underlying things that we'll be talking about over the weeks to come. Yeah. And the, the final point that I kind of put there was just that modern CSS layouts gives us this kind of superpower, really, in terms of, again, you know, designing for the future, programming for a flexible web so it can be used anywhere. But also, I think, and we'll get onto that more, I think, next week, is the creative freedom that it can give us in the sense that now with a lot of the layout systems, we're designing to all four corners of the page. We're not, we were always sort of top left and working down. Yeah. Restricted by that. But now we can design. So if you're, you know, moving your screen horizontally, uh, vertically up, 
you, you can now have things responding in a different way. So it does really open up a lot of creative freedom that really wasn't there until now. And that's, yeah. that's a really interesting observation, actually. So yeah, the idea that in the past it's always been, well, if you're a left to right uh, reader, it's from the top left pixel to the bottom right pixel. And that, that is, that's the layout that you're working with. But with these more modern approaches, it really anywhere's up for, you know, you can put anything anywhere. You don't have to begin in that top left hand corner. It could be any part of the page, um, yeah. because of all of the different ways that you can position things. And yeah, we'll be learning about those. Yeah, we'll get into that because I think that's you know, from a designer's point of view, Jen Simmons, who we'll, we'll talk about next week from her perspective that she's do, been doing a lot of that with her layout land. I mean, it's quite older stuff, but things where they are just using the design for all corners. And we've never really thought like that because the tools haven't been there. So, right, right. Yeah, yeah. good point. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. Shall we move on to Rachel's talk? I mean, you might need to scroll down just to yeah. get our main points on this. There you go. And this is enough to put anyone off, isn't it? Whether the title's there. So <laughs> Rachel's talk is a bit technical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's about, it's probably about 45 minutes long, maybe 46, seven, something like that. And, and it is, it is fairly technical, but it is not going at a breakneck pace. There's plenty of time for, for breathing and taking it all in, but it's very, very powerful. I I warmed to her as an individual during that video. I, I thought she was an excellent uh, proponent of what she was talking about. It was nice, calmly delivered, easy to understand. But there is there is a lot in there, so you might need to, like I will need to. I think there's going to be an awful lot of rewinding and starting again and pausing and taking it all on board. And but it never gets too technical. You've only got one or two lines of things to take in at the same time. Yeah, and I, and honestly, I watched it. A few years back, the first time, you know, probably listening to it double speed or something, as I tend to do with these things. I thought, yeah, I nailed that, I know what that's about. And then I came back again to it and thought, honestly, I missed the main points of it. So I'm going to pull out perhaps a little bit more, you know, watching other people talk about the very same thing and also other things that she's talked about that's added to this. So I think the key thing about trying to understand modern CSS layout is the first point we've got there, which is understanding flow layout, which is that default that we have because, and a lot of people are making this point is that we have a good start straight away with HTML and the browser's own style sheet, the user agent style sheet that goes on that, you know, gives a little bit of minimal styling to our, our sites. And what we've done in the past is we've generally, as designers, seen this as no layout at all. And yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and what that's led to is really that we, we kind of give up, um, some of this great power that it has because it's there. It's designed the original, um, browser that was created by CERN that we're going to use was a graphical interface. They actually dumbed that down to something where the text would if you like, squeeze to depending on the device that was viewing it. So if the, obviously the text would wrap around and mm -hmm. the content would get lower and no one would miss seeing any of the content. So we have a pretty good start there. And, you know, it's only really when we started adding widths to things and sticking stuff in tables that we kind of broke what was already that responsive, um, web design, you know, but yeah. obviously wanted it to look a bit prettier. But I think that's a real good point here. And I, and I think 
although she doesn't make this point, is one that I've come to the conclusion of after listening to her and many people about because of the fact that so many of us are on small devices these days, probably about 60% of the web in total are probably only going to see something that is very similar to what we had in the first place, which is one column with everything vertically being scrolled to, that we might want to think about how much design we do for, we might start from that mobile thinking first and only get a little bit more complex from normal flow as we need to. Yeah, that is, that is novel, isn't it? The idea that, that 25 plus years ago, whenever that all yeah. happened, everything was just in this one column layout. And now we've got back to the point where that most people, I think you said, what did you say? 60% of people are now uh, viewing the internet on a handheld device, a mobile phone or something equivalent where we're back to that. We've just got this one column design. That's curious how that's, how that we've come full circle. Yeah, and in some ways, I mean, and you could kind of see it on this site. I mean, we're on a single column anyway on this. Uh, and I did add in a new page. Now, for people who are just listening to us, this won't make sense. But I don't know if you want to, Nathan, just uh, have a little look at the, I don't know, take one or the other. Yeah, go to, shall I try this slow layout one? No, if you go to the main menu. that's. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, so if you look to that episodes, maybe. Okay. Yeah, so... All we're doing on the site here is most of this site is just normal flow. So uh, basically just centered it with one line of text and the rest of it. And where we needed it to go into multiple columns, um, then we can use grid just to expand it out. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that Nate is showing that this is again, effectively one line of code introducing grid. So, you know, the basic site, which of course we will design as we go on is really keeping to that simplicity of starting with normal flow on the first page and then pages that need it or sections that need it. And the same one line of code is being used for this and the resources page, if you ever go to it, or the, or the little little uh, SVGs of us, Nathan. Um, that's in two uh, columns. Where are they? Oh, they're not there. Let me find those. They're on the home page, I think. Yeah, there they are. Yeah, yeah, and they're on that. So... Anyway, sorry for the people who are listening to this only. It's not going to make much sense. But well, no, it's a good it's a good lesson that this this podcast is uh, partly audio, but also there is going to be a uh, always, I think, a slight video component component to it, and um, we'll be showing things to so be able to look on the uh, the website noscript.show. But yeah. also, you're going to be doing bits and pieces on video, which sort of go alongside some of these episodes, and maybe maybe you'll even do one. Uh, over here, so go and check out that website if you are listening and it's confusing you. It is a um, is a very visual subject, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, and I will do a video just showing just how sticking really to the things that are in this about normal flow. I've tried to use that as much as possible before we've got a design because it's still functional, and then we needed to add some new pages for the episode, so I've needed to pull in some grid, some very simple grid. Anyway, let me move on to the. Shall I move on to the next point? that she's making about um, mm. on our notes, which was just displays. Display is the property now that gives us access to other things other than normal flow. And the, the interesting thing about normal flow is it kind of works and it's responsive and everything goes back to it. So if we go to our display property, then we've got some options. The best known are going to be Flexbox and Grid. And they, so Flexbox is generally a sort of one dimension uh, layout things, 
it works slightly different to grid where it's takes the look at the the item and arranges that in the best order in fact it's there on the menu so there's flex box on that the easiest way to just get uh, an ordered list which would run vertically to turn into something that runs across the top is to just stick flex on it and if there was more of those in there text wrap and that would send it down to uh the next row under there so it's still working with normal flow and grid as we've shown here is sort of two dimensions you can work in the grids and the rows so really our our thing is to be using the display is the way to now do layouts that's where everything is kind of changing can i just interrupt there so that i'm hmm. clear because i am the the poor relation in this uh, podcast series i'm the the sort of stooge who is going to be trying to keep up with with David as he as he pushes forwards with all of this, so forgive me for the interruptions. But just to be clear, the the flow layout is is the bedrock of everything. If 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 everything is stripped away, flow is going to work because that's what the browser is instructed to to do. It will all work on this flow layout. If you want to go away from flow, so one thing going horizontally under another, if you want to move away from that and have things side by side. We're then into the domain of display, and mm. display has then got you know there's a whole variety of ways that you can do that. But the popular uh, display mindsets methodologies are flex and grid, which yeah. in many ways overlap. But there's there's different ways that they handle it. Um, but have I broadly got that about right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And that's usually what we're moving to. And the interesting thing she makes it in the talk is the fact that we always revert back to normal flow anyway. So when we say put something into a grid of two columns, um, we do that on say a container element. We'll say display this container element into grid and say we want it into two, but everything that's within those two element, those uh, children. Yep. Yep. Well, then revert back to normal flow. So we're, it's always good to think, understand normal flow, how that works, how that's built up of basically inline and block content, which stacks yeah. vertically. Again, okay. So just to be clear, so if we, if, if we don't do anything, we're in flow layout and flow layout is just everything stacked one on top of the other. Then, but if, if we then have a, a, a component on the page, let's say uh, two side by side, boxes for want of a better word uh, they're positioned side by side using display and you know there's a variety of ways that you could do that but then if you don't do anything what will be inside the display will immediately revert back to flow so if you don't instruct it to do anything it will automatically the browser will say okay we're back to flow layout so you've got flow at the top of the tree then display takes over and then if you don't tell it to carry on displaying in a certain way we're back to flow yes the elements okay. within so yep. the you know the you'll put display grid say and then you'll yep. put that on the container that will be its child and all the elements of that will will fall in line with the grid but those within inside that the grandchildren if you like say right a, right right a header two and some paragraphs that yep. are within those columns they will default back to normal flow and, and i suppose that's a that's a sensible default isn't it because the, the typical purpose, I suppose, at the beginning was just text, more text, give me some more text. And that's how text ought to behave. It just, you know, it flows down the page. So, yeah. Okay. I'm keeping up so far, I think. <laughs> I think there's maybe one thing that we should talk about here because she does allude to it a little bit. And I think she's, 
since the talk that we were looking at, she's perhaps become a little bit more clear about how we're discerning learning layout now. She, she makes a big point that they're not in competition. Flex and Grid do very similar things, but right. they are, if you like, not in competition, but just options in the same system, which have their strengths and weaknesses. One, of course, is one dimensional. The other one is two dimensional. Um, but I think, she, I think as I came in, not really knowing either of these, um, I've now come to the conclusion that it might be easier, um, as she mentions this, to to look at grid. Grid in some ways is easier to understand. And flex, if you try and follow people to learn that, you have to remember that it's had all of these years, maybe eight years before grid was fully supported for people to build up ways of using Flexbox to create grids. Yeah. So you can end up learning a lot more about flex than you might ever need because it's kind of useful in certain circumstances. And I use it, the menu being an obvious one where you don't quite know it adapts to the elements that you put in. It takes right. notice of what you've got the content and works out. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, that. are you are you saying there that the two are not mutually exclusive? You can you could have a page and liberally sprinkle it with flex and grid. It's not like you need to pick one over the other. But there are certain scenarios where grid would be a better choice, and there are certain scenarios where flex would be a better choice. And and in, in this case, a menu. Um, would be good for flex because it's you know it's one thing next to another until the viewport collapses and then it it immediately is one thing beneath another yeah. and that works really well because it's not it's not so opinionated about where the bits and pieces should be. Yeah, it's okay. uh, I mean there's reasons why you might probably start with grid now. It would be nice if they came out at the same time and they do have their differences when you know them and we won't get into them here, but. In some ways, if I was starting, well, I did start with grid and it's been easier doing it that way around. Because, oh, okay. That's interesting. I was going to yeah. say, is there one which is probably more likely to be used more than the other? And I think what you're saying there is grid probably fits the bill for most things. Okay. All right. Yes, because you can lay out a yeah. whole page where yeah. effectively working in one direction, one row at a time, mostly with flex. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. but, you know, they're both still very useful for different things. <laughs> um, she does do in her talk a little bit about outflow elements, but I'll just skim over that quickly. But just really what she's saying is this is what we had in the past. So what we would use as we didn't have a system for it, we would, um, for well, a long time we were using tables, which semantic, that's HTML tables, so that wasn't semantically correct. And then we moved to floats and for a little time, uh, we were doing a lot with absolute positioning as well. So these two things are outer flow elements. So you end up with a big problem. So floats was the way, only way to do things. You would float things left and right. Yeah. And then you always have this issue because she shows it in the, in her talk about how you don't necessarily see it. If you see an image being floated to the left of some text, it seems the text wraps around it. But in fact, it comes out of its box and the text below it moves up to the top. So it goes out out of uh, flow. Yeah, it's hard to describe, but just seeing it yeah. once, you'll get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, and for that, we always needed all this kind of clear fix stuff. And she talks about a, a modern day solution for that, but really it's not needed for layout as such. So that's kind of gone. Absolute positioning. Interestingly enough, uh, it's again, Hakan Willem Lee, um, the creator of um, CSS admitted if there was one thing that they shouldn't have put into uh, CSS, 
it would probably be absolute positioning. Oh, it's uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> because it takes everything completely yeah. out of flow, and then yeah. you take the whole responsibility for the browser and all it does for making things fit together. Do you remember? I don't know if we never talked about this before, but Dreamweaver. Oh yeah, and they had a thing called Layers for a while. Oh, I don't remember that, but okay. Oh, it was the most magical thing to me. I was starting then. It was about 2005 or something, and it came out, and you could just move anything around as you wanted to. And it was just absolutely positioned, was it? Everything was yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely okay. positioned. Same okay. way as Wix was built in the early days. You know, right. you could just move stuff around. It was like a, an early page builder. But, but that, that yeah. was also back in the day where everybody was looking at things on a desktop, yeah. and, and you could rely on the 768 pixels being the being the <laughs> minimum and so every website was was that big and probably no bigger yeah i remember i remember but yeah. I, don't, I don't remember that at all but i remember uh learning um dreamweaver and then realizing soon after i'd learned it that i didn't need it anymore yeah yeah oh it's fabulous that it seemed fabulous and then yes. you realize of course yeah. it wasn't responsive at all and you got stacking issues and, yeah you know, yeah all um, yeah, the next point in uh, talk is really, and this was, I mentioned this before, writing modes. Um, now, you know, once you've got established flow and the fact that everything is a box of some kind and that things are stacking vertically um, as blocks, all our elements are blocks, um, writing modes kind of throw this out because you can change the direction these are flowing. You're blocks and your inline and the reason for having these kind of writing modes which most people just use to create special effects where you might have your text uh, going up and yeah. down instead of left and right. right yeah exactly but really it's there and it's part of um the thing to have internationalization there's a, the whole group in the w3c that work on that and 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 talk also to the working groups on css about how to do that and this is, you know, to make the World Wide Web worldwide and support all those other kind of languages and also support that when we write our sites, if we need to put them in another language, that we can actually convert that same layout system easily to the new language mode. And that's where writing modes become, I think, really important. The, the fact that we now use um, kind of logical properties so we stop talking about top bottom left and right and notice that every element now has got a new property and value with it which is starting with block start and end start or, and end yeah 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 and all that i've moved on to the next point with this and i think that's really important because if you if everything is marked up like that you can retain the design and have it all tilt another direction for the language. So you can imagine if you, you have to support multi-languages, how difficult that would be if you've marked everything up as left, right, and then you have to go and create that same design in another language and reverse all of that manually. You, you now be able to switch. So I think that's, you know, and that really um, kind of informs how everything is working in grid and Flexbox. So it's been out there for a long time. Flexbox um, started with talking uh, everything in terms of um, the kind of block inline start and end in some ways. So it's been growing and, and definitely a grid is that. So in order to understand that, I think we have to understand 
that that we ha- now have these logical properties, which uh, and values which go which are flow relative. They change as your roti- writing mode changes. She does. Rachel Andrews does a fabulous job of uh, explaining that. But obviously, you know, she's got a video, um, <laughs> yes. and and she does it with a bunch of basically boxes f- with little bits of text in, and you can see how when you flip them over onto their side, I guess, you know, through 90 degrees. So instead of it being um, one way, it's a, a, another way. And she, she shows how you can, how it can then be used for layout. And it's hard to imagine at the beginning when writing mode was created. It, I, I'm imagining that there was no real sense that it would be used for sort of granular layout properties, more that it was just, you know, that you were writing from right to left or left to right and from top to bottom or whatever the permutations are. But it, it's interesting. It gets really complicated. And I, I'm wondering how much that is used in the wild in design. Um, because I guess you need, so it can be used purely for design to make things quirky and interesting. But I'm wondering mm. if the, the actual writing mode is used a, a great deal um, for its intended purpose, which is, you know, actual writing going in different directions. I guess on multilingual sites, it's used rather a lot. Yeah, I think it's going to be important. And of course, when Rachel was doing this talk in 2019, at the end of it, she really had to make some reference to support because if you're to be doing things right now, we have to get rid of, and it's it's quite a hard habit to get rid of, you know, because I've been using, you know, margin left and right or yeah, for, yeah. for a long time. And, and there still is a slight issue because I think we're roughly at the time of recording this, we're about 98% will support all your kind of logical properties and values. So it still does leave some people out. And she does right. make reference to the fact that you can kind of at that time introduce it through an at support uh, feature query where you can, you know, code it up that way, but you would have to code it the normal way for old browsers. At this point, I've decided that those 2%, and you have to remember, actually, if you look at floats, which is been oh, yeah. Yeah. 2002, oh. ha- if you actually look at can I use for that, it's got I think something like 97 point something percent. Oh, still? Okay. Okay. Yes, because, it, I mean, you can't really take that as a good figure for stuff. And you'll find other things like, you know, Flexbox as well, which, of course, all of the page builders we've known and loved are, uh, are kind of working basically on Flex. They wouldn't have existed without it. You know, still has a fairly low support. So I've really made the decision that, okay, if my HTML is marked up and it's a bit of a jumble, they still should be able to read it. We'll still progressively enhance. And I've jumped entirely on board with using right. Properties. Right. And I think it's probably time to do that. Yes, you moves on to, I think oh, that's covered that. We'll move on yeah. to box alignment, which I don't think I have any hope of explaining very well. Partly, because, <laughs> partly because it confuses me still. And I have to look up articles and then play around with dev tools. It really came in, this idea of being able to justify items and content came in with Flex, and it used to be called Flex then, same as end and start used to be Flex, end and start. Now, box alignment now is its own uh, module in CSS. And so it's it gets its sort of properties being shared amongst flex layout and table layout and grid layout. So there's a, something there that we can understand. But it's I won't go into great detail on it, but you anybody who's worked with flex will probably know that you can, when you've assigned flex to 
a say container and you've got some divs within that, then you can then instruct those how to behave. But you can also instruct them to those contents to align in certain different ways. You can put space between them because all of these are working in the way that we didn't used to design. So when you thought about it, we would design a page with dimensions and we would say, this box is going to be this side, the size on this side and on the left-hand side is going to be this size. And then we're putting our content in there with some space. Now we're really thinking as Flex does and Grid does, it thinks about, provides as much space as is needed to contain the content there right. and it will flow. And then we have to adjust. So we reverse our logic from it's the size of the content that matters rather than the box that it's in. Right, right. So, um, and often how you can arrange this stuff. So Flex has this way of stretching out to, to fill out the available space that it has. And it's not set in pixels. It'll just adjust according to what the user comes with. And justify items is great and align items solves one of the biggest problems in web design before we had it is that you couldn't align items vertically. Yes. Uh, yeah. To the center. You to couldn't the center. center. The center of anything was a nightmare. Yeah. Center of anything. So they solve this with alignment. So you can choose how they align, whether they are um, justifying to the left or the right or the middle or aligning to the top to the bottom. Why I won't go into this is because there are slightly different ways that a flex and grid work. It's easier to understand with grid than it is with flex because flex has a cross axis as well as its main axis. And if you're thinking about writing modes and block, you can easily switch it upside down by going to columns. And then if you're thinking writing mode, just switching it upside down again. Okay. So grid is probably a lot easier to kind of understand when we come to um, justifying items. But that's well, it, really. But it's you, another it, choice, right? It's another quirky way of laying things out. A box alignment. Um, yes, you can you can implement this. I mean, I don't know. I can't off the top of my head Im imagine a use case right now, but uh, it's there. It's in your arsenal. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just aligns. You know, the, you can put space between automatically. So let the browser. You know, if you want things to move something right over, you know, one example, particularly with flex or something, you might have a logo on your left and oh yeah, that's a good example. And, well, right, yeah. and you can make it so you can justify those items. So yeah. something aligning to left and the right and the space in between will be de decided by the browser itself because you set it up with your justify. Yeah. Um, I think one interesting thing on this is, I mean, this is because it is a spec now that stands alone and in theory, it should come to block layout, normal flow layout. But it hasn't till now, and it's behind as we speak now. It's behind a flag in Chrome, so it's come in. It's the fact that if you wanted to center your actual content in a container in the middle, which I'm actually doing on our, some of our content there mm. um, on the site, you couldn't do that without very flexing, so you could get that justify the, yeah. the content yeah. to the center and add an absolute center. Well, that's now come into block layout, so you might not need to do that. So. It's something that you have to spend a lot of time with. And if you go to dev tools, they, they're brilliant because they give you a way of just being able to kind of click on things and yes. clear out the yeah. settings. So that's yeah. fabulous. Okay. I better move on. So, uh, sizing, Rachel Andrews says this is probably the thing that would need to be concentrated on the most, or this is the biggest change. So if we get to sizing, when it comes to flex and grid, really they are trying to stop overflow, which is, the thing that we broke with normal flow when we started to put fixed widths on Wits things. on things, yeah. yeah. 
And this is really, if you like, its main job is allowing us to design with grids and different layouts, but not have this overflow. So there is that classic meme everybody must have seen where there is a box with CSS is awesome and some of the awesome is leaking out of the box. And that's probably most people's experience of working with <laughs> CSS before Flex and Grid and understanding it. Yeah. And, and I think the key point that she's trying to get on is that everything in those is defaulting to auto. It's making it squishy naturally. Um, and in order to do that, we have a whole load of new sizes that we'll use. So when it comes to grid, we will have a fraction, which isn't like a percent, because if you get percentages and there's some, you know, overlap of padding or margin or something, you have to calculate it to really difficult things. This will just take up the space and an FR, a fraction is the same as what grow would be to flex. And it's something that will adjust. We have min and maximum content. Uh, we have auto fit and auto content and all of these great new ways of basically being able to lay things out without specifying an actual pixel value for things. Yeah. Which is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And that's pretty much it really. So, I mean, I could just mention. When it comes to, I mean, if you're looking at the site as it is at the moment, obviously it's not much of a design there, but it has got those layouts and it simply is making use of what's in this talk on the whole. It's just looking, essentially, I've just got a couple of lines. So it's normal flow for most of it. And all we're doing is putting a, a margin in line of auto, and then we're fixing a minimum width to it and a maximum and a bit of padding. And that is most of it. And then when needed, we needed the grid to go into boxes, which went from three to two to one, depending on your device with boxes. Then there's a wonderful trick that you get with um, grid now, where it's called RAM. They use it and it's auto fit, min max. Sorry, it's repeat, auto fix and min max. So basically you say repeat, you keep growing boxes as they scroll down. And the more boxes you have, they'll just keep going down and forming other rows. Um, and then you've got auto fit. So the contents get to automatically fit accordance to the figures you give it. And then what you can do is put a min max. So you say it's maximum of this or minimum of that. And everything beautifully responds with no, no media queries to deal with. So yes, know, nice. That's, I don't know. Nathan, do you think I've at all covered? modern CSS layout. Yeah, I think you've laid it out. I think it would be important to, um, to probably watch the video. And then yeah. also, um, if you go to our website, um, noscript.show and you click on the episodes link in the top and then hit number three, I think we might change the URL structure of the website at some point to make it easy. Um, but for now, click on episode number three. And there's all these uh, links here, which will take you to the different documentation for each of the pieces that David talked about. So flow layout, display, uh, all of the other bits that we mentioned. Um, and that's where to explore. It, it's hard to explain that stuff because it's so jolly visual. Uh, but the video certainly does that. And the developer docs will definitely help as well. It's a hard subject. Like I said, I watched that video from start to finish. I'm going to need to watch it several more times before I think I've got a grip of it. Because although the concepts are delivered really well, they're a little bit, with my old brain, they're a little bit difficult for me to uh, to take on board f on a first pass. But uh, yeah, that's great. There's loads of new stuff in there. I'm wondering, yeah. you know, if anybody is listening to this, I'd be curious to know um, 
curious to know which of those bits and pieces a were you aware of you know feel that you've got complete command of or which of these are just things that you've never explored because you've got a I know a tool like a page builder or something like that, which means that you don't have to, but it's going to make life easier. All of these things, once you've got your head around them, a lot easier. I think so. And, you know, interestingly for me, because I, as you say, I mean, I couldn't really explain a line. I have to play around with it. And I see some of the experts as well do that. They, they mix up when it's an online content or items. What's the difference? They, they just try both. And, and I think people like uh, Rachel Andrew would be the first person to say that. You know, when she's doing something, she might throw flex at it and think, no, nah, that's a problem. I'll not throw a grid at it. They don't necessarily know exactly where it might be useful. But here's the interesting thing. <clears throat> that might be off-putting and it sounds like you need to learn a lot. But I've done three client sites doing them with almost no knowledge and just a few of these little tricks that I'm pulling out here. And I think you don't need to get into depth. And I think where things will probably go for the future, for those people who still want no code in, I think it's very likely that we'll see, instead of having the big frameworks like Bootstrap that we have now, where you have to buy into the whole thing there, I think particularly with things like layers come in and, and, and scope, a way of being able to separate your CSS out, I can see mini frameworks come in or little snippets that I see. So there are a lot of good resources out there. They're growing all the time. There's something by Rachel Andrews, uh, gridbyexample.com, definitely worth checking out. There's another one called uh, one-line layouts dot glitch me um, and a whole bunch of stuff and uh, something that I like, which is partly commercial to get all of it, you need to pay, but it's uh, every layout dot dev uh, by Hayden Pickering and Andy Bell. And you can see there's going to be an accumulation of these kind of things where you can, as I've done on this site with little knowledge, I've been able to copy and paste a couple of one-liners, if you like, and yeah. achieve result. Um and all I needed to know was basically the things I covered here, how things are actually working underneath, you know. Yeah. Do you do you have an intuition that in the show notes you'll paste the links to the resources that you just mentioned, or are they going to live on our resources page, sort of separated out from each of the uh, episodes? Uh, I don't know. We might have to discuss this later. I think I will add them there, and uh, yeah, I don't know where to put them. Maybe they should be in the show notes. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Okay. Um, okay, I feel like we've done our third episode justice. That, that's a, that was a hard one to cover because everything was so visual. Um, but if you take a look at our website, noscript.show, you'll be able to see all of the links and get some intuition as to what David's trying to build here. Um, anything else you felt you wanted to cover or shall we? No, I think next time we'll, it'll be a bit more conversational because we'll be talking about Jen Simmons, the same topic, just slightly different perspective, historical and from a designer's point of view. Okay. Well, I'll enjoy uh, enjoy doing this one with you, and I'm looking forward to doing the next one. So I'll, I'll see you next time on the NoScript Show, David. Take it easy. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.